Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, Vol Nation. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Tennessee Football. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Kerbison. Uh, joined with Reed Bacon. It's bowl week. We're going into this Purdue game. Uh, we're talking about what we can take advantage of. How does this Purdue team look? And um, how do we think that we're going to fare? Before we get into that, we also talk about some of the transfers coming in. Uh, big offensive lineman from Florida. Uh, a legendary Shuler coming into the program. Um, and yeah. Early morning pod for 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 us, but it's uh, it's a good one. So uh, let's jump into the game. Snap! The kick is in the air, and the kick this time is no, sir. Reed, no, sir. Reed, final score: Tennessee twenty, Florida seventeen. Pandemonium reigns. Okay, so before we jump into the podcast, got to shout out our number one sponsor, betonline.ag. You got to go there to bet on any games. Listen, football, full swing. We're getting into bowl games. We're getting into college football playoffs. It's getting a later half of the NFL, you know, maybe some playoffs coming up. Basketball's in full swing. NBA, college basketball, now just starting up. To make all those games more exciting, you got to bet on them. Put some money down. It really gets the adrenaline going. So for stats, for odds, for spreads, everything that you need, betonline.ag is the place to go. Uh, Right now, they've just updated their um, desktop version of their website. So it looks brand new. So go there or on your mobile device. And when you sign up, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. If you use code BELIEVE50, that's B L E A V. Five zero, so make sure and use that when you when you first sign up and you receive that fifty percent welcome bonus, which is just hey, it's extra money. Why wouldn't you do it? Um, so head on over to uh, betonline.ag. It's it's the best place to do any bets. Um, it's just the best sports book out there. So go on over. All right, welcome in everybody. Um, this is a fun one. I made Reed get up real early in the morning to record so uh we'd have this out for you before the bowl game but we're going to talk about some basketball stuff some transfer guys and the bowl game so before we get into all that reed how we doing bud i'm pissed off waking <laughs> up at waking up at 6 30 went to bed at like 1 30 or 2 because i was playing halo with a bunch of buddies 
so running on like three or four hours of sleep, but it's one, all good. One question. Are you 17 years old? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big kid. I'm a big kid at heart. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Like it sounds so, it sounds kiddish and almost nerdish, but like video games are like my competition now. Like that's where I get my competitive juices out. Like I, I honestly, like it gets intense and, it's fun, but that's that's a part of it. Same way with like pickup hoops or golf or whatever. But um, yeah, this is funny. I went to bed when it was dark out. Now I'm back up when it's dark out. <laughs> Everyone in the house is still sleeping just to get this pot out. But but I'm I'm excited to to talk about it. And um, as you guys can see, I'm repping my. Uh, you know, I usually rep a team. I usually rep the Titans or the Balls. Today I'm just repping the family bacon. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, I'm repping my. Uh... Work, work attire, attire. Rogers yeah. build. So uh, this is if you were to see me at work, this is what I look like. Yeah, I just rolled out of bed, so that's why I wore a toboggan. And my sister had bought me this kind of as a joke, um, with because it has our you know the name on it and stuff. But anyways, uh, yeah. I, the the first thing that I'm going to start about is it's so people will see this I guess next uh, next Wednesday, so it'll be a little while. Um, but it's still only a couple days removed from what just happened with all the UT Memphis, uh, basketball stuff. And as, as you guys watched on the other recruiting pod, you know, we're sitting there recording and I'm in the kitchen area so I can watch TV, uh, in the living room because the room's kind of mixed. And so we're sitting there and the news basically broke. I think you got a phone call right as we started to record and we didn't even know if that person was joking or not, but then I've got ESPN on and it never comes on. So it was a huge bummer, and, you know, being a Memphis guy, meaning, like, you know, I went to school there. Like, I, I wore those colors. Like, I walked, you know, went went to school there, you know, practiced there, had buddies there, you know, was on a team. I, I love everything about the city of Memphis. Like, I love um, – I love the people. I love the university. Um, it's a great environment and it's a great uh, blue collar. And that's one of the reasons I love the Grizzlies is as I, when I was down there, it was really during that time of the grit and grind with Zebo and, 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 and uh, Tony Allen and Mike Conley and, and Mark. And it just feels so different because those boys are like, Hey, it's grit and grind. We'll play you anytime, anywhere. And then what happened with the Memphis basketball team? And I was like, that's not the same well, team, bud. I was like, I was like, uh, that's, uh, that's not really the whole grit and grind. That's not really the whole, how the city is. That's really not the blue collar. We'll show up and play anytime, any place. Now I get it. I'm not trying to start anything. If they really had COVID issues and all that, I, it's just hard for me to believe. And as I just stated, like, I pretty much love everything about the city of Memphis. I'll be going back down there in a couple couple of days for Christmas with the, to, to be, you know, my parents and I and my sister going down there being my aunt and uncle and cousins. But the one people I've never liked is the Memphis basketball team ever. Like I loved everything about my time on the football team and the school, but the basketball team was always a bunch of punks. When I was there, it was in this time where they had been good and they were coming down and not as good as they used to be. Like, like Cal wasn't there and they had uh, Josh Pastner, and they just weren't that good. But they just – I mean, I guess technically they ran the school because it was a basketball school. But, like, they were just a bunch of douchers. And, like, they all thought they were going to the NBA. None of them hardly did. Like, did, uh, did the rest of the football team feel the same way? Like, was there, like, a obvious divide? 
Yeah, pretty pretty much. There were there were still some guys that like were buddies with them and stuff, um, and, and they got along with them, but not not many. Like it was like, I mean, those guys would literally like. I remember one day I was walking. Uh, it was after class. And I was walking in the UC, the University Center, and they were all sitting out like on the front steps. And they just like the way they were acting was just so douchey. And like, they just thought they were so cool and so awesome. Like you guys, like you guys like preseason, whatever. And you've already like lost a couple games. Like, I don't know why you guys are acting, acting cool, you know? Um, like what so are you going to be a freaking 11th seed? In the yeah. Or, or, like, or like, or like the past couple of years, like, you know, they're an NIT school. I mean, you know, they, they haven't been to the big dance and, and so I was down there a lot doing work when they hired Penny and they and they got rid of Tubby Smith and like everyone was pooping their pants about about Penny like he was like the first you know the savior the this the 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 son of the city coming back to save the day and I was like all right we'll see what happens and he gets all these recruits and then he can't coach and I have buddies that are down there that are like huge basketball fans and they can't stand Penny like they they know he can't coach like it, it's really annoying but for me. I love that game so much because it is some bragging rights. It is um, recruiting rights. It is. And just all that stuff of them saying, like, we're scared to play them and this, that, and the other. Like, no, like, it's not worth us to play you. Obviously, we went down there and got Kennedy Chandler, so we don't need the recruiting prowess down there. Like, what we, we gave you a shot to play us already. You didn't play us. Why would we spend time giving you guys something when we're uh, – you know, a highly ranked team. You guys aren't ranked anymore. You haven't made, like I said, you haven't made the NIT in a couple of years. So it's like, I, I don't know. I, I want to hear your thoughts on everything, but it was just a really like, it was just a really annoying. Like we got off the pod, our recruiting pod that day. And I was just like, F, like I was really looking forward to that game. Like I wanted to beat them. Like I yeah. wanted to be him and say deuces, you losers, like see you later. But what'd you think about all of it? I, uh, I, I am disappointed because it is something that we miss out on in football like having an in-state rival, we have Vandy, but they're just so bad and they have been so bad for so long. It like doesn't feel like a real rivalry, but Memphis in basketball is. And then like Vandy in baseball is. So there's other sports where we have that in-state where like those teams are actually good for those schools. So it just sucks that that was taken away from us because that was one of the only ones that we have that makes it exciting. I mean, it really is more exciting to have an in-state rivalry and it just kind of sucks in football that we don't have that. Like in some instances, I kind of wish Vandy was better. So it would be more fun. But um, I think, I think it's just Penny being dumb. Like I, like it came out that like only four of his players were vaccinated and that's why they didn't have enough people where earlier in the season, he said 90% were vaccinated and that's just him not checking. Like that's all or, that is. Or lying or, or lying. I'm thinking, I'm thinking he, he could have lied. Yes. In the very beginning by saying 90% or he could have just been like, Hey, are you vaccinated? And the guy goes, yeah. And then he doesn't check again. Cause that's what he kind of, when people ask him about it, that's what he said. He's like, "Yeah, they, yeah, they're they're." I when I checked with them the first time, they said they were, and I didn't really look back into it. I'm like, "Are you, are you an idiot? Like, why would you not look back into that?" 
like I don't think he understands what it takes to be a head coach. Like the fact that you're a leader of men and you need to know, like you're the CEO, you need to know what's going on inside your, you know, bubble. And it's just, I think it's just, uh, it's really on his shoulders, just being irresponsible. Well, you know, they got what they wanted. Like I said, I was legit down there the week uh, they were like hiring. Like it just happened to be, I was down there for work and, they got rid of Tubby. Everybody on on radio and uh, and yeah, sports talk and all that were freaking out about him. And and like he's gotten kind of what they or they've gotten what they've expected. Like he's a guy that came from AAU and middle school and high school ball. Like he's not a proven guy. Game day. Like sometimes you watch some of their games and it's horrendous on the court. Now he can recruit, but like it doesn't matter if you recruit and do nothing with it in March. Like. Congratulations. Like I said, you guys won an NIT championship, but like you had the number one recruiting class and I know they lost Wiseman and, um, and stuff like that, but still some of those other guys, you should at least be in the tournament, especially with how weak their schedule is. I just, I don't know. It was just, it was just a bad taste and it just really sucked. And, um, a man, I wanted to, I wanted to win and beat them and, and keep on moving. So, um, but anyways, Let's talk. So we're going to talk a little bit about a couple other recruits that we didn't talk about on the other pod. And then we're going to jump in to talk a little bit about Purdue and preview that bowl game. Um, but go ahead. I mean, this week we got um, – I'm going to talk about Navy Shuler because he just we just got him as a transfer. And then I didn't hit on Brian Grant, which you had mentioned. Yep. And then I'm also – we're going to talk about Gerald Mincy, the Florida guy. So kind of go start wherever you want to start, and then I'll jump yeah, in. Yeah, so um... – we start with Gerald. I, I, you know, I kept trying to look and see if I could see any plays that he was in during the season, just like on YouTube and watching their games. But it says he played in 10 games. I really didn't see him starting. So I'm thinking he was most likely extra lineman. He comes in in a big package, jumbo package, and, you know, extra blocker. There is nothing wrong with that. Cause I did that for two years straight before I got to actually start and play. So it's a great learning thing. It's a great understanding of you just an opportunity to understand a situation because you start to get a feel of like, Oh, this is how it is when I'm playing in front of a hundred thousand people. So not knocking him, but that is to say there's no guarantee that he can be, a starter right away. You know, yes, he has played some limited snaps there. Da, 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 da. Not He's not a bad offensive lineman by any means because he was, you know, technically like a sixth or seventh man on that rotation. But that doesn't mean that he will start. What it does mean, though, is we have more depth, which is great. You know, we're losing guys. Cade's leaving. And it's somewhere we can fill a gap. Um you know, uh, it's just when it comes down to the season, I always feel, and this might just be biased because of my senior year, but I always feel that you need to have another five because people are going to get hurt. People are going to get rolled up on. Somebody's going to hurt their knee. Somebody's going to hurt their ankle. They're going to have to step out. And you need two to three guys behind there that can – you know, one guy who can replace both tackles, one guy who can replace both guards and a, and a center and just be able to step in when 
when needed. So instead of like a starting five, you really need like a starting eight. Eight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that, that – because, I mean, if you think about it, that's how NFL teams are. Like that's who they dress. They dress eight linemen. So it's like those guys can rotate in if someone gets hurt. And, I mean, dude, my, my senior year, I think every single person on the offensive line, like every other ro- position rotated my senior year besides me. So I'm always like, okay, who's the backup? Because it just might happen. It's so, so true that um, you you need that swing man who can be uh, – he can go back and forth between the tackle positions um, or that guy who can jump from a guard to a center. Um, I mean, I always talk about the Titans. It's because I watch them so much and keep up with them. But I remember going into the year and it's like, all right, who's going to be our starting right tackle? It's like, all right, David Quisenberry. It's like he's been a swing man. You know, and then they let – the Undertaker, Andy, or um, whatever his name, um, Kelly. I uh, yeah. can't remember. Spurs- what? Yeah, I think. Um, I want to say Andrew, but that's not it. Um, I kind of wanted to say Brian, but I'm wondering if I'm just <laughs> mixing that up with Brian Kelly. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll think of his name here in a minute, but he's been there for a while. And it's just like th- those guys were our swing, like come in and swing guys. And then we got Kendall Lamb, who is a halfway starter from the Browns and that made me nervous as a fan so like let alone going into the year for UT this year and I'm like all right well if we if we stay healthy we're okay but then we lose K-Ron Calvert early who had been a good depth piece and then it's like well all right well you know I I, I guess you know Ollie Lane or or um you know or Dane Davis was good, so Ollie it, was a good rotation guy this year yeah so it was kind of like all right who's going to be that rotation guy so when immediately we get this guy like I'm I'm fired up because I'm like all right he's he's been at Florida he's at least been in the program he knows what SEC ball is like and when I first read it it said that he had played in like nine or ten eleven games so I'm like oh yes you know and I think one thing it said it only given up one sack. So I'm like, oh, awesome. <laughs> but then, yeah, what I did, but what I did is I searched from highlights. Obviously, didn't have any highlights. So I went back and watched and just kind of went skimmed through a couple of the Florida games from this year to see if I could find him in there. And like when they do the starting, you know, offense and starting defense, like his name wasn't on there. So I was like, okay. And so, like you said, I think that's what it was, you know, some spot play here and there, or maybe come in as extra tight end. But I'm never going to be upset about the potential of depth. I mean, he's 6'5", 6'6", 320, like good size. I did go back and watch his highlight film from high school. Like I thought it was really, really pretty impressive. Like, I thought he was very athletic. I thought he had some nasty about him. I thought his hands were pretty good. Um, they had – like you like to see, they had him pass blocking. They had him pulling. They had him doing a bunch of different stuff. So I, I thought it was it was pretty strong. I mean – he had offers from Penn State, Miami, FSU, obviously Florida. So, like, some there were some, you know, pretty big schools that wanted him out of high school. So, um, I, he will be one of the guys that I will be very intrigued with when we go to spring practice and then when we go to fall camp. Yeah, I agree. I definitely want to see where he's at uh, and his skill set going into those practices. I think, I think I'll be able to – get a good read on, hey, this guy might start or not, or just might be that rotational guy. Uh, absolutely. And that's yeah. why, like, I'm going to be right there with you in your ear, like, watching, like, hey, like, what's what's our initial thoughts here? Yeah. So. Yeah. And 
I do just kind of like follow the offensive line around, even though I should possibly uh, look at more positions while we're out there. But, you know, I get caught. Um, I want to hear what you have to say on uh, Brian Grant, because I brought him up last time, said I saw a ton of improvement in him from junior to senior year in his highlight tapes. So what did you what did you see once you watched it? So I, I did not watch the year before, so I don't know how much improvement there was. I'm going to take your word for it and say that you sounded like it was head over heels better. I was once again impressed. Like, you can tell immediately he's a project, but this is a 110% a guy I would use a scholarship on as a project guy. Mm-hmm. Um, usually as, as a program, if you feel like you're in pretty good shape, then maybe once or twice a recruiting class that you can take, a, you can take kind of a, a gamble you know, on a guy and, and, and go off his potential. Um, maybe not so much with Tennessee right now. Like we really need to be pretty good about hitting a lot of our, a lot of our recruits or transfers, but this is a guy, I think it's worth it because anytime you come from a basketball background, it, it seems like it can really help with, with the athleticism, with his feet and with his hands and with that eye, eye coordination or hand eye coordination. Um, I've seen anywhere from 6'6 to 6'8, you know, you know, 270 to 280. That's an unbelievable frame. And if you're really are, you know, 6'7, 6'8, and he has the feet that he has in those videos, like that, that's pretty awesome. I mean, the guy, this, this could be one of those kids. And I'm not just saying this because he's from UT, I'm saying because I watched him and like kept up with him because he's going to UT. But this could have been a kid that, you know, ended up at like a smaller Florida school because he's from down there. And one day you look up and he's like been in the NFL for six years. And it's like one of those backstories they're telling you on Monday night football, how he yeah. didn't play much, didn't get recruited much. But then like with that combination of six, seven, six, eight, good length, good athletic ability. Now he's a six year, seven year starter in the NFL. Yeah. Like he went because, to, like he went to app state and played basketball and football. Right. 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 You know, yeah, and it, it was just it, like, he's always an athlete and you know, he, he was a little, little thin when he came out of high school. So he didn't get a lot of offers and turned into such a great player. And I'm like, please, like, please let that happen and work for us. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he really did. Um, you know, he had a BYU offer and an FSU offer. So like two other, you know, pretty good offers or decent sized schools that obviously saw something out of him, but I thought he also played well. Like I thought like besides in his pass pro where he used his, he maybe listen to me giving some offensive take, but there was some or offensive lineman take, but there was a couple where I felt like he set and then he got kind of aggressive. Like he would set well and then he would want to really engage compared to just, yeah. hey, sit, use your hands, use your athletic ability, keep your feet in front of them. Don't necessarily engage because someone good will take you and shed you, rip you, whatever, push, pull. And, um, but then on run blocks, like he finished well, he, he had some good nasty about him. Like, so he will be a guy, another guy that I'll be excited to watch and see at, you know, at fall camp or, you know, I don't remember if he's an only, or early enrollee or not, but like I, I, he will, those two linemen will be guys that I will definitely like, well, to be honest with you, basically all the new guys, I'm going to be really excited, but for the offensive line, I'm going to be very excited to see Mo Clipper, you know, Addison Nichols, these two guys and just see how they do, you know, and, you know, uh, like yeah. one-on-ones and stuff like that. Yeah, and I, I and I said it last pod, but I just think like his balance was the one thing that I was like, oh, because you know, even if he was out of sorts or you know, a defender did try and push pull on him, he still stayed on his feet and he didn't fall. It's like 
a lot of times when you got bigger dudes, especially taller dudes like him, it's very easy for them to trip or fall or, you know, and if you, if you're, st- it's like you look unathletic if you're on the ground, like I need you to stay up. So right, right. I like that out of them. Um, what do you think about Schuler coming to coming to his dad's old stomping grounds? Yeah, I think it's a cool story. I think it's a cool story. You know, you hear that he's coming from Appy State and that he was a walk on here. And I'm like, okay, well, like that cool, like good story. And then as I was laying and uh, on the couch and watching these other highlights of Brian and, and Gerald Mincy and looking up some stuff on Purdue, I was like, well, let me let me see him. Well, he was a three star and he had a very I did not watch any highlights of him, but he had a very like pretty long offer list. And so it's like, this is a kid that's, you know, I don't know why he transferred, um, but, you know, you would have thought that if he stayed in Appy State or another one of those places that had kind of offered him like that group of five or lower power five, like he probably could have played. Um, Not to say that he doesn't play here. Like, you know, you never know what happens with, um, you know, after Hendon leaves this year and, what other people transfer in, transfer out, um, you know, how Tavon Jackson does, which, by the way, our fans are the best. They uh, Someone reached out and said that I guess they run some sort of option, and he only threw it about 12 to 15 times a game. So, if I hope – if I don't know if I'm just spewing false information, but someone had said that. So, I, you know, I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. But you never know. I mean, if anything, he could be a good depth guy and good uh, practice player and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I just – you know, if he plays, you know, okay, like whatever. Like I, like I said, yeah. I have some, I have so much trust in Heupel that, like, if Hendon left, what, uh, what, what grade is he in? I think he's got three or four years of eligibility left, so he's still pretty young. Okay, I didn't know if it was like, um, it was like a situation where you transfer to a bigger school, then you graduate the next year, and you can go to their pro day. Mm. and, like, that's more eyes on you. Like, if you do think you're a good quarterback, but you didn't necessarily, like, you know, going to get the eyes on you at App State, so came here. But, I I mean, I'm guessing no, – sounds like sounds like it sounds like boys here for a couple of years ready to try to compete or play or whatever. So Yeah, yeah. But I'm guessing – I mean, I don't know if it just happened to do with, you know, a little family legacy. Like, he just always wanted to come to Tennessee – and really didn't have that opportunity his first year and then was like, you know what, now with NIL stuff, like I can get school paid for without having a scholarship. And, you know, it was like, all right, I'm going to take a risk and try and go to Tennessee and see what happens. And makes sense because nowadays, like you don't have to go to a big school. You don't have to go anywhere. You can get NIL money no matter what. You just have to promote yourself. Right. Like it's all right. about self-promotion. It's, it has not like a lot of it has nothing to do with the school. So, I mean, that's why number one recruit in the nation can go to Jackson state and still get money. Yeah. Well, he's got the, he's got the last name to make some moolah. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. You that's know. A, I, hey, that's exactly right. I mean, people still, you know, people remember Heath and he's still a legend around here. So. Right. Yeah. So I, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but, um, all right, I'm ready to I'm ready to hear what you have about Purdue. Um, okay. And now that you've looked into them and probably watched some of their stuff and all that. So, all right. So, so sorry to interrupt. 
this amazing conversation, but we have a new ad. Uh, this is Lightbox. So say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the greatest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle. Creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds that you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but just are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Priced so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. So visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds. Never a dull moment. Yeah, so looked into them, watched them. They're, um, I guess I can go like offense, then defense. So offensively, they are a pass, 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 heavy offense. They do not run the ball. They can't run the ball. I don't even know if they have a running back on their dang team, which is such a weird thing out of a big 10 team. Like you don't, usually it's the other way around. Like it's all running, no pass. Quarterback isn't really that great, but they have an, an amazing running back. I mean, you literally go through the list, like uh, Walker the third, who's at Michigan State this year, like Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Melvin Gordon. Uh, I mean, just so Jonathan, many like, great Jonathan running Taylor. backs. Yeah. Yeah, in the Big Ten, it's just like that's, just that's what Big Barkley. Ten is. Yeah. Yeah. And – they're 127th in rush yards per game in the nation. So they're not trying to run the ball. They're pass, pass all the time. Um, but I feel great about it because even though they're pass all the time, they're literally in the middle of the pack. They're number 50 in offense of, of everybody. So it's like, I don't know if it's really working that way. And we had said before, you don't know which team you're going to get. Like, are you going to get the team that played Michigan State? and beat them or you're going to get the team who got blown out by Ohio state. Like they're very almost wishwashy. Um, but I mean, stats don't lie where, you know, they're very pass heavy. Um, they're not very good at scoring touchdowns. They really don't score a lot of points in general. They're the second worst in offensive touchdowns this year. Um, so I like that. I think that sets up well for us. Um, I know we lead the nation in tackle, like we're top of the nation in tackles for loss on defense. And it's like, you know, we're very good, like run defense is, you know, what we're better at, but now it's like, okay, here's a challenge. Like, can I get pressure with four? Cause that's going to be the biggest thing is like, can I get pressure with four rushers and, you know, drop everybody else, get them into coverage, be able to, you know, lock in on people, um, so I, I think that'll just like be our biggest test is our, our DBs and some of those guys. And, you know, now with, with how bowl games work, this game is almost like a preseason game for next year instead of an end to this year, because some guys are leaving, they're not going to be playing in the game. And it's like, Oh, like, okay, what do we have? Like, what do we have on the team that's going to be here 
next year that's gonna that's gonna play for us. That's you know, so it's it's kind of a it's kind of a nice like, hey, this is another off season for us before the regular season next year. I mean, do you feel like that the same way? Like it, I think it's just it feels like that because there's a playoff, and it's like if you're not those four teams, then that's what you're using the bowl for. Yes. So for me, I like uh, here's a nice little metaphor for you. So a bowl game's kind of like church on Sunday. It's uh, it's a good way to wrap up the week, and it's a great way to start your week because it is on Sunday. So it's like, you know, the bowl game is a great way to put a nice little cap on 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 the season and to finish strong and to keep my upward trajectory going in. But it's also a way to just start and say, okay, here, like you said, here here's some of the stuff we have because it's not like a bunch of new guys are playing. I mean, maybe we might see some of the younger receivers and, and some of that type of stuff, but you know, it would be different if like, Cedric Tillman, VJ, and Javon Payton, like none of the three of them were playing. Like, say if they were all, you know, getting ready for the NFL or whatever, then that'd be exciting. Cause we're like, all right, well, we're going to have a whole new receiving core out there. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, different, diff, you know, say if Alante and Theo and like one other guy were getting ready for the NFL. So it's like, okay, now we get to see some more DBs, but we're pretty going to pretty much have our, our whole team type deal. And, um, so, so I, yeah, I'm excited about that. I, I mean, I, I'm a competitor. Like, I say, like, oh, it doesn't really matter. Like, no, like, if we lose, like, I'll be pissed. Like, you know, I'll, I'll hey. see something. That, I'll, yeah, exactly. I want to keep the trajectory going up. And I'll be watching the game. And if we lost, I'll see some Purdue, like, clown up in the in the student section, like, getting fired up. And their players, like, getting fired up. And, you know, like, I, I could say, like, it's okay. It doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. It's a bowl game. But like, I see that stuff and I'm like, all right, I want to fight all of them. Like you guys got lucky. Like, you know, let's, let's run this back. So obviously I want to win. I want the team to win and um, put a good, a really good wrap on the season. Um, when I watched them, I felt like I was watching Tennessee in a way, but it, it, you know, like it's funny, they run the spread, but like it, it's a different type of spread. Like, there are times when we're in the spread, and I feel like for us it really is we want to run the ball and we want to take our deep shots. Like, like it's almost like we're a I-formation or pro-style team, but we're just running it out of shotgun because we, we want to run, get a couple of runs, whether it's QB run or whether it's running back run, and then we're going to play action and take a deep shot or we're going to take a great slot shot. Yeah. You know, so it's like with these guys, it really is like I felt like it's that spread amount you know, out route here, hitch here, deep shot here, you know, a middle deep comeback or dig. And then, you know, you know, a screenplay here. And, and I'll be honest, they got a couple good little athletes. I, and I guess David Bell is their receiver. Who's like a stud. And I, I yeah, think so he's I little, just, I just saw yesterday that he's not, he's not playing. In co- the game, correct. Correct. Which so is gets, huge. Right. I mean, right. buddy led the big 10 in receiving. I don't know if he finished that way, but he was halfway through the season. And he, I mean, you could tell watching the Michigan State game, like he's the one they go to. Like they need a big play, ball goes to Bell every time. And I, I mean, yeah. he is a great wide receiver. Yeah, he was good. He was a stud. He, he What I saw from him, he was a stud. And so I got, obviously that helps us for them not having them. I actually thought, um, and I guess it's his first name is Aiden. 
I'm going to pull this up and look at it real quick, but it's O'Connell, their quarterback. Yeah, Aiden O'Connell. I, I was kind of impressed with him. Like, I thought he did. He was pretty athletic, some little good zip on the ball, like pretty good pocket mobility. Like, I, I'll be excited to watch him. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's so funny that we're talking about them now because Jeff Brom, like, I'll openly admit, like, and I remember talking to you, and, uh, and then we made a joke about it. Like, I, I, that's who I wanted at the time. Like, they were – I think it was after we fired Butch and it was like, okay, so it was Gundy was kind of the talk again because he was playing us again. And I've never wanted that guy to come here, but whatever. So his name was up there. Uh, Dave Sorensen from from North Carolina State, Jeff Brom. You know, it's always that ball Twitter joke that – Jimmy Himes, um, you know, said that Jeff Brom was going to be the the source that said Jeff Brom was the next coach and it happened. So, so many people still give Jimmy a hard time about that. But, like, that's who – Jeff Brom is who I wanted um, because of his offense, um, because of his um, – I, I feel like on game day he's kind of a little bit of that um, – like, like um, Heupel is. He's kind of that little bit of advantage on the sideline with his play calling and – I remember you joking and laughing and being like, you wanted Jeff Brom because he was the guy that, like, was the XFL quarterback that had that funny clip where it was like, oh, yeah. yeah, am I breathing, you know, whatever, like, I'm yeah, playing. Yeah, just so, got, yeah. like, knocked out and was like, no, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, exactly. So, but no, I, I'll be honest, like, he's who I wanted at the time. And so, um, and I do think he's done a pretty good job at Purdue. I mean – Purdue's not a great football program. Like, it's just not – it's not a super easy place to win. And one thing that impressed me with them this year is, like, they would take a loss and they'd come, they'd come right back. And, like, they would finish. Like, they didn't let it um, – you know, they didn't let some of those losses affect them. I mean, 8-4, you know, you take an L to Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Minnesota. Like, I mean, obviously losing to Michigan and Ohio State's not a big deal. Wisconsin, I understand why they lost that because of the style of play. And Wisconsin was like, hey, we're going to pound it right at you. We're going to slow the game down. We're going to keep everything in front of us. We'll try to play pretty good defense. And if you have a turnover here or there, then you're not going to have much clock. You know, for example, when they played Ohio State, uh, you know, Ohio State jumped on them and it was like 40 to nothing. Uh, but then they ended up coming and scoring 30 points kind of in the rest of the, you know, second, third, and fourth quarter. At, because the game was – it was kind of like Tennessee, Missouri. Like, the game was over. They just yeah. started back – they just back one, you know, try to backdoor cover almost type deal. And then, you know, they like you said, they beat Iowa. Would they caught them at the right time? And then they beat Michigan State. And with Michigan State, they got a couple turnovers. Uh, they, got, well, they had a couple stops. And then Michigan State also had, like, a, a miss a missed field goal. So, there was a lot of different – a lot of different, you know, opportunities in that game for Michigan State to win it. But – who kept battling. So I'm really excited. And I think it's a good matchup because it's going to be two high flying offenses. And I think we're definitely going to try to run the ball more. Um, they're going to, you know, like I said, dink and dunk and air it out. And I will say they had one of the coolest and best play designs I have seen in my life. Um, it was against Michigan state and they run a, the reverse, the reverse double reverse. Yes. Double it reverse was throwback to Anthorpe. Andrew? Yes. Yes. I like I like their little running back or that, that little like number 33, that little like slot yes. or running back. He's a yeah, dynamic little guy. I can't, I can't remember if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but it, it's something like that. And yeah, I mean, he's he's there. He's there. Yeah, Jackson. Fix it. They're they're like. 
Yeah, Jackson Anthrop. Yeah, that's right. Because I have their roster pulled up. But yeah, he's a he's a he's a good little feisty little player, and they use him a bunch, like whether handing the Brock or whatever. But it was for people that that haven't seen that play. Like I literally, it was go to <laughs> go to YouTube, watch Michigan State Purdue highlights, the extended highlights that are like fourteen minutes, and it was about the five thirty mark. I mean, it's a hundred percent worth your time if you're a big football fan. But they bring a guy in motion and they hand it off to him like a speed sweep. Well, then he continues running out, and the receiver coming from left to right, they just do a nice little reverse. So it's like, okay, here comes reverse. Well, then in that whole meantime, the entire offensive line has made their way back left. And once the other guy gets the reverse, then he passes it back to the quarterback, and then it's like a screenplay. It was yeah. it was sick. And I, I, don't, I think it was the tight end who was the only guy that came back and blocked back because they just needed one guy to get the edge guy um, yeah, so that he didn't. It was, a, it was a tight end who came, blocked the backside. So the offensive line followed the first handoff and went yes. in that direction. So it seemed like, oh, they are trying to fake us out. Um, quarterback backs up. That first handoff, Anthorpe just pitches it to the other wide receiver. Wide receiver pitches it to the quarterback and then blocks. Like he actually blocks somebody to help open up the play. And then honestly, the way that Anth- Anthrop, Anthro, whatever his name is, ran behind the offensive line was perfect. 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 Letting his blockers set up blocks, letting them get in front of him. Obviously, he's faster than him. He was just waiting, like, all right, go ahead and block, go ahead and block, go ahead and block. Now I see a lane. Now I'm going to run. And that's exactly how you should do it on every kind of screen as a running back, as a tight end, as a receiver. Like, let your blocks set up and run off of them. A lot of guys outrun their blocks. So I love to see that. It was funny because I swear it was the first time I have seen a screenplay where every single lineman was out there. So, like, when they got the throwback, it was hilarious because there's literally – five dudes, five uh, Huskies out there. And it looked like a ton because most screens are, you know, two linemen, three at the most, I guess. And this was all five of them. So it was hilarious to see it. But it was, yeah, it was a great play. And I'm excited to see that little cat and mouse back and forth. Um, You know, I want to see – I love watching Heifel call a game. I'm excited to see Jeff Brom call a game. But the cat and mouse between Jeff Brom and Tim Banks and our defensive staff, like I want to see what we do. And it amazes me when teams are so – one-sided because for me I always think that the best offenses are still predicated on that that balance and unpredictability you know that's why play action works so well because if you're running team they're expecting the run and then you can hit them with a play action and then you know a lot of sometimes where you have these spread teams um, that maybe do throw it more but then you still keep people balanced because you'll hit them with a draw or you'll hit them with a QB keep or a read option. Like, I mean, I remember watching times with Mike Leach and dude would run it four times, five times a game. And I'm just like, what do you like? Like he's, he's, I think he's a fine coach. He's above average coach. Um, I personally wouldn't want him, but it's like, there were times I'm like, this is so easy for the quote unquote, it's quote unquote, sometimes very easy for the defense to stop because all they know they have to do is pass rush and 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 play drop you know seven or eight. And well, I'm not saying it, that he's. I'm not saying Ron Staley, that's the coach for the Chargers. Yeah, he said yeah, yeah, Earlier yeah. this year, he was like, we, you know, we run the ball not necessarily just to 
you know, have 50% runs and 50% passes. It's also to keep the defense honest in physicality and to show them, like, you don't just get to do whatever you want. Like, we're actually going to hit you in the mouth. Because when you're passing, it, it, you're passing. It's passive. Like, as an offensive lineman, you're sitting backwards. You're letting them run into you. Um, and it was like, run, running isn't just to set up the pass. It's also to, like, set a tone with the defense. Like I, I, I have, on the defense as an offense. I absolutely love that he says it, or he said that, and I'm glad that you brought that up. You can, I don't care whether you want to set up the run through the pass or set up the pass through the run. Just like in basketball, I don't care if you want to play it inside and get it inside your big guys to set up a three, or you want to try to do some outside shots to then open up down low and the drive, drive and kick. I, I don't care. Just whatever it is, like, Stay true to who you are. Stay committed to, to what it is. And football is still a, a, a simple game um, when it comes down to it. Like I always say, I need to start saying it once a pod, make sure I say it once a pod, even if we're not even talking about, like, it could be spring and we could be talking about the Vol baseball team just balling out. I'm just going to come back and be like, you win and lose in the trenches. And they're going to be like, what? <laughs> so, but it's like, you, you know, football. in the bullpen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like football is still won and, won and lost in the trenches, and it's still a physical game. It's who can block and who can tackle, who can get off blocks. It's like – so I'm, that's why I'm happy you brought that up. I'm happy he said that because it's so funny. All NFL season, you know, it's all this awesome sports center highlights, all these big numbers. But then when it comes playoff time, why do you hear people say, well, they're built for the playoffs, like they're built for a run? Why, why did people say that the Packers needed to add a running game and, and do this different stuff? And, you know, it's because just like the Patriots of all those years, when they had Bill Belichick and Tom, hell, they would throw five wide, you know, four wide, do all this stuff. And then playoff time, you're like, what the hell? They got a, a fullback in the game and he's not coming out of the game and they're pounding the rock. You know, what they did up at Kansas City, I guess, two or three years ago when they went to play on, they beat them and then went to play the Rams. And then, you know, um, you know, same thing with the people talking about the Titans or the Colts or the year that the San Francisco 49ers went. Like, you know, San Francisco was letting Jimmy G throw it 10 to 14 times a game. So it's like yeah, – they, I mean, they won that NFC championship with like 250 yards rushing. Like they, exactly. They scored 40 points on Green Bay just running the ball. There's, there, you still got you still got to check your manhood, you know, before you go out there and, and you got to be physical. So – I, that's one that's one aspect I'm excited to see about this Purdue UT game like if they're not running it to keep us honest like how does our pass rush look like how do we you know stay in our gaps how do we you know how are we going to prevent the quarterback from running that's always been a big thing like for us this year like I think this this O'Donnell or uh, Aiden O'Connell has a chance to maybe meet me a little bit mobile and keep his eyes downfield and see what happens so I'm very intrigued by it um because it is kind of two similar teams. Like I said, I think we're definitely going to be more running. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm excited. It's, it's, it's definitely different than if we were playing Iowa and we know they're going to try to pound the rock and, you know, which, which I, I, you know, I would rather play somewhere like that because I feel like we would stop them. But this one's going to be high-flying, good scoring back and forth. And really, for me, the key that I think is going to come down is who, who does make a turnover or stops. Who, who makes a fourth down stop or who gets a turnover – um, and like you said, I mean, their points per game is only 27 points per game. Ours was like 
35 or whatever it was. And then, you know, they're, you know, they're only stopping people and, you know, 20 points a game. We're going to double that if I had to guess, uh, hell their rush yards for the entire season was only like 1200 rush yards for the entire season, which, I mean, there's some programs that have you know, one running back that does that by themselves with these, especially like you mentioned in the big 10, um, you know, and they, and they, they threw it for 340 a game, like, you know, so I, I, I'm very excited. I, I think too, that they are dependent on big plays. And I think our defense has done a good job of preventing big plays, like just shot plays, like 70 yard touchdowns and stuff like that. Like it's, it throughout the season, it was very much like, you had to drive down the field to score. Like it had to be 10 play drives. Like it was like, you're going to get third downs. So like, it wasn't easy necessarily for teams to, you know, score versus us. I just, I always felt that during the season is like, Oh, this isn't like a one play touchdown. Like we did to Kentucky. Like a lot of teams, not even like the better offensive teams did that. So I, I think, I think we have been tested pretty well going into this game with pass offenses, you know, playing Ole Miss, uh, playing Bama. Pitt, um, yeah. You know, even even Georgia and their elite wide receivers. It's like you, you have been tested, and as we said before, it just helps so, so much that Bell is not playing. I, I, I And I, I, I think that's a great point you bring up about the defense because – we're going to make them earn it, um, and, and maybe that frustrates, you know, a lot of these teams that do live off some of these big plays. Well, if you really make them earn it, it can it can really frustrate somebody. And as a quarterback, if you're used to hitting the home run, you know you won't you won't take the you won't take the easy stuff sometimes, and that plays right into the defensive hands. And wait till we, you know, make them earn it and get in the red zone. That's where it's going to be huge to see if we can you know, hold them to field goals and, um, you know, prevent them from, from getting in the, you know, from getting in the end zone. And I, the, the, this is what's bad is usually when I, when I'm nervous and feel like we lose is when we win or play or, you know, play well, but I think we're going to beat them. So now I'm nervous. I'm like, Oh, great. Like, you know, now, like I do think You're we're going to win. So most yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, I kind of had a feeling wishing that we were going to lose, but, um, you know, we need to go out and win this one and uh, just show them that we're, uh, you know, that we're the better team. And yeah. uh, I just – I still just have nightmares of the Purdue basketball game from two years ago, and I just need some some small revenge. I mean, a bowl game doesn't really do it for me. You know, I, I'd rather get them back in the tournament, but we'll – you know, a win's a win. We need some payback. Um, I also think it, like – it helps that they played Ohio State because I guarantee that is the film that Tennessee is watching. Like the Tennessee offense is watching Ohio State versus Purdue and seeing like we can take advantage of this. We can do that. Like we can do this play. Look at this linebacker, how he reacts to this. Like that that kind of stuff is what they're watching. And they played Ohio State later in the season. So like it's a newer game. It's not like the first game of the season because you really right. – you can't take much from that first game of the season. You really can't. I mean, how much teams change over the year. Um, because, like, this team is not the same as it was when we played Bowling Green. So, 
the same thing. I think that Ohio State game was so – it was so nice that they played a high explosive offense that throws the ball, that, you know, gives you different looks and all that kind of stuff because it helps us out a lot. Um, and defensively, I think they're – they are a better defensive team than us. Um, you know, they're higher ranked in different things. But I am always like – are you a better defensive team or is the big 10 offenses just not that good? Cause I really like, I really don't think, I really don't think any of the big 10 offenses besides Ohio state are even close to middle of the pack sec offenses. I mean, a Florida, an Auburn, a Mississippi state. Like I, I just don't even think it's close. Well, the thing about that is, is even even if the the talent and the playmakers and all that stuff, even if those aren't as dynamic, they also don't, you know, they're not also going to play a brand of football. So, like when they play Wisconsin, like Wisconsin's eating up the clock, so there's not going to be as many possessions, and so the stats aren't going to be there and and stuff like that. And same thing with Michigan and. Hell, their their game with Minnesota was like twenty to thirteen, yeah. so it's it's like not only do they not have, um, you know, some of the maybe the same talent, but but also like you know, in Iowa is every year everyone wants to talk about like Iowa's defense or Penn State's defense or, um, you know, Ohio State's defense or or hell Michigan's defense for that matter, and you know, finally this year Michigan got over the hump, but I remember multiple times where it's like. Michigan's defense is this and Penn State's defense is this. And then they play Ohio State and you look up and Ohio State's got 59 points. And it's like, huh, all right, so much for that defense. Yeah, you know, what, what, what is your measuring stick here? Like, being right. Minnesota, like that's not like the measuring stick is Ohio State. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. That's, that's, that's for sure. And so I'm, uh, like I said, I'm ready to see what old Jeff Brom's bringing to the table. Yeah. I'm fired up to see what, well, Heupel can do um, and kind of just sh like show everybody like, hey, you know, Tennessee's not to be messed with. They're not just to be like, uh, it's Tennessee, like whatever. Like, no, no, no. You, you're, you're one of, you're supposed to be one of the better teams in the Big Ten. And we're, we're going to show you what it's like to play in the SEC. Um, so, yeah, I'm super excited. Oh, great pod. Early in the morning. Got your coffee, got your caffeine in you. No, um, I don't drink coffee. No coffee for me, big boy. Uh, I had to. Uh, a little pumpkin in there, too. Because I'm nice very much a white girl. I was about to say, nice coffee. little white girl. Hey. <laughs> um, but, yeah, great pod. Super excited for this bowl game. Um, this is coming out after Christmas. So, uh, Merry Christmas, belated, uh, happy holidays, all that kind of stuff. Um, happy New Year coming up. Happy bowl game. Uh, so appreciate you guys uh, watching, listening. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, turn on that notification bell on YouTube. Uh, follow and rate on all your podcast platforms that you listen to us. Uh, share with friends and family. Let them know what we're doing here. Um, as always, we're presented by betonline.ag. So head on over there if you're trying to bet on any games, any sport, looking for any kind of stats or lines that's where you need to go. Um, 
if you want to contact us, have an email at believeintennesseefootball at gmail.com and a phone number, 865-322-9232. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. Uh, Twitter's a big one. I'm at Kyler Kerbison, uh, at rbacon26 for Reed, and then at Believe in Tennessee for our main account. Um, I also have Facebook and Instagram if you want to follow me there, just at Kyler Kerbison. And, um, yeah, just appreciate your guys' support. And, as always, go balls. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.